Hi, friends and weirdos. Welcome back. I'm Cassie. And I'm Tiffany. And this is Happy Hour Gets Weird, a one and done episode. We're just, what could I say, in a silly, goofy mood. And we are doing no research. Our one and done episodes, if you're new around here, are our relaxed episodes. We usually read a list. Well, Cassie pretty much always reads the lists these days. Thank you, Cassie. And yeah, we're just relaxed and uh, having a good time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> That's the worst explanation ever. It's They're okay. Short, Don't get it. They're sweet. You know, one and done, baby. Yes. Um, okay, so let's get right into it. We are sticking with the theme of spiritualism. So we are going to go down a list of mediums who have solved crimes. Dun dun. Which is <laughs> kind of exciting. So as always, the sources for our episodes are listed in the episode description. So number one on the list, she's mysterious. She's sexy. I'm guessing. Ooh. I don't know. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, They're all sexy. Yes. They're all sexy. Her name is Christy Robinette, and in 2005, 20-year-old Ashley Howley disappeared, and she disappeared for year, years. She had been missing for four years when, yeah, in 2009, medium Christy Robinette told authorities she was visited by Ashley's spirit, and Ashley told her that it was Robert McMichaels II, her boyfriend, who was her murderer. Oh, my God. Following Ashley's lead, Christy directed authorities to a place near McMichaels' home, but police didn't have enough to make a move. They didn't want to make an arrest or alert him in any way until they were sure, mm-hmm. you know, the it's kind of, you know, happens if there's no body. They need a lot, a lot of circumstantial or a lot of other evidence, and they just didn't have it. But it wasn't until later when Robert McMichaels murdered his mother and his stepfather. What? Yes, that he told police as part of a plea deal that he did, in fact, murder his girlfriend. And then he took them to the burial site, which was exactly where Christy Robinette had told them previously. <gasps> mm-hmm. I mean, so it seems like this McMichaels was a Mick problem for everybody. He's Mick Psycho. I'm not loving it. <laughs> okay. I have a question. Why didn't yes. they go there and look for her body? I believe it was on his property close to oh, his okay, home. Okay, okay, okay. Oh my God, this guy's such an asshole. Yeah. He just killed the three people closest to him? Uh-huh. Yeah. What a piece of shit. I know. Um, all right. So next on our list is Irene Hughes. So in 1966 was when she first helped police solve a crime. She predicted. Now, this is very specific. Okay. She predicted a man would be found near a large rock in the Cal Sag Canal. He would be dead after having been shot in the back and he'd be wearing a white shirt. And he would be missing a shoe. Mm-hmm. Lo and behold, Lieutenant Jerry Harmon of the Cook County Sheriff's Department found a man just as Hughes predicted. So she got that prediction right. Um, did they find out who murdered him? No. Not that. Well, we said this was low research. I didn't 
didn't go beyond that. Okay, she I was did just... Not, she did not predict the killer or help find the killer, but she did predict that they would find this man in this manner. And she did have an alibi. Yes. Okay. She did. I'm assuming. Because they would go on to work together for eight other cases. Um, so Hughes method, she would get a photograph, stop, she would get a photograph <laughs> or clothing and she would meditate about the crime. She'd get a photograph of the victim mm-hmm. uh, or the victim's clothing and then meditate. And, um, that's how she would get her visions or her feelings. And she has helped in over 2000 cases in her 25-year career, and she passed away in 2012. She also predicted a lot of things happening around the Chicago area. That's a lot of cases. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's good. It's a good thing that she had to kind of focus to get her visions. Mm-hmm. Because I always think about people that just have things flooding into them. They're just a barrage of... Yeah, shit. That seems yes. stressful. Yes. Um, so I thought that was kind of interesting. She seemed very well respected in the Chicago, by the Chicago Police Department. Well, that's good because it's not always that way. No, it's not. Um, which brings us to Annette Martin. Not because she wasn't respected, but just because she's the next one on our list. So Dennis Prado went missing in Pacifica, California. And for months, authorities looked for him. And it wasn't until a last ditch effort when they contacted Annette They gave her a photograph of Dennis and a map and asked if she could focus on the map and tell them, give them an area where to um, kind of direct their search. Mm -hmm. She studied the map and she pointed out a small area, no bigger than an eighth of a mile in diameter. Wow. Yes, I know. Police and search and rescue with dogs went to where she marked on the map and they found Dennis Prado almost smack dab in the middle of the area that she said. Ooh, I just got chills. Isn't that Ooh, wild? That's amazing. I, you know what I just was thinking is that in real life, I have such a bad sense of direction. If I were a psychic, would I? Would it even help? You have a bad sense of direction. Terrible. I didn't know. I'm that. like George Costanza with directions. Whatever <laughs> my immediately thought, it, my immediate thought is, I have to do the opposite. Really? So if I were a psychic, would I be like, and then you turn left, and oh then the cops goodness. would be like, turn right. <laughs> I didn't know that about you. I know. I wonder if that would be, I, or maybe you just see a, maybe like your visions color a spot on the map, like mm-hmm. they like you know how you kind of read auras. You, yeah. Some people read auras like maybe you see the like it outlined instead. It's like a visual instead of I like hope so for my sake. Yeah. I mean, or maybe just a feeling in your body that like controls your hand and puts it on the map. That would be the easiest, really. Excuse me. Um, what are you drinking? A little bit of Chardonnay. Oh, my God. Pinot Gris. Yeah. I have a little Chardonnay in a mason cup because we fancy. We fancy. Mason jar. I have a ton of ice in mine because I'm classy. Uh, mine is cold. I don't mind if it gets a little bit. Uh, mine was already cold. I like it as cold as my heart. Chill, <laughs> chilly. Mm-hmm. Okay, so next we have Lori McQuarrie. So 
Alexis Burke went missing in 1986. While taking a report from her husband, police detectives had a feeling John Burke was acting strangely. Uh, uh, excuse me. So, I'm sorry. Someone just uh, tried to choke me. A ghost. <gasps> I almost just died. Was it the sheep? <clears throat> Maybe. No, they're they gone. Back? Oh, no, okay. they're gone. So, police detectives felt that John Burke was acting strangely, but with no proof, the case stalled as they tend to do. So, Alexis's family hired Laura McQuarrie for some possible answers on Alexis's disappearance. And what they found was so much. They found so much information through this um, medium, Lori McQuarrie. McQuarrie. Mm-hmm. And they found through Lori, according to Lori, who I'm assuming was getting this through Alexis, um, she stated that John's and Alexis's marriage was very tumultuous because of constant fighting over finances and John's inability to keep a job um, or the fact that he was a lazy ass motherfucker. Um, There was, so Lori in her vision saw that there was a fight between Alexis and John and John ended up strangling Alexis and he disposed of her body with the help of his brother. Lori told the family and either the family told the police or Lori herself relayed this information to the police. And I don't know how they went about this, but they ended up getting enough evidence and charging John Burke with the murder. And he got a life sentence. And this was, I believe, in Oregon. He got a life sentence. But John's brother, not only did he admit to it, he took a plea deal and he never served any time because he told them where Alexis's body was, which was only like 75 yards from John's work. But he helped dispose of the body and did not get one day in jail. Not one. It's frustrating. It is frustrating. That guy is an asshole and a coward. And also the husband murderer. That is fucking cold to strangle somebody that you know. It's insane it's not fast no like that's Mm -mm. intense that guy's fucking dangerous Mm -hmm. uh there's all kinds of like drinking noises going on so just i have wine i have water i like them i wish i had more ice tinkle 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 (laughs) it's like we're all really hanging out yeah happy hour It it is like that okay so then we have Dorothy Allison, which I feel like if you are familiar with mediums, you might have heard of Dorothy Allison. I think she's pretty renowned. She predicted, she was getting visions and predictions as her whole life, basically. She predicted her own father's sudden death when she was a child. Oh, no. That's yeah. horrible. See, that's what I'm talking about. Just information flooding into you like that. Mm-hmm. That's fucked up. Yes. No, thank you. Yes. Um, But she used this gift that was, you know, started off in a very traumatic way to help mostly missing children. Oh, wow. That's Mm -hmm. that's hard. Yeah. So and she she was kind of an old timer. In 1967, she told New Jersey detective 
that he would find a little boy drowned in the river with his shoes on the wrong feet. A month later, detectives found just that. In the 70s, detectives found a girl in a barrel with the letters M-A-R on the outside. And it turns out Dorothy had predicted this would happen nearly two years before. So it sounds like she's a medium who has like predictions. So she's like pre-medium. Mm-hmm. Pre-medium. That's the mm-hmm. technical term for sure. It is. It's That's in the dictionary. Mm-hmm. Um, so Dorothy had Dorothy's career had ups and downs. She definitely admitted that she has some failures, but she did also have some accurate prophecies. So it, it was kind of like a mixed bag, if you will. Well, I think that that is true of anything that anybody has ever done ever. <laughs> I mean, I'll take this podcast. It's a mixed bag. Like, we can't all be fucking Michael Jordan, you know? (laughs) We can't all be the best of the best all the time. Seriously. But around here, 40% of the time, Mm -hmm. we're 100%. Yes. So be ready for for those sparks of brilliance. Yes. Um, Okay, so the next one is, her name is Carol Pate. And this one is so interesting. I just, I love stuff like this because it's like so, mm, it's like just the human connection I I feel like is so, can be so weird. I don't, I can't think of another word. I don't, maybe I'm dehydrated. I can't think of words right now. Keep Um, drinking that wine. (laughs) Good, good point. Good idea. So Tyson Efrend went missing when he was 17 And out of desperation, his mother contacted Carol Pate. Carol Pate was given a picture of Tyson and began having very strong visions of physical and sexual abuse. But she said that Tyson was alive and that he was near a place with the word Ridge. Carol led police within a half a mile of where Tyson was. So... Days go by, a few days, several days, and miraculously, after six days of being held captive, Tyson was able to convince his captors to release him, and he was being held on a house on Ridge Road. Oh my God. The men were arrested, and both were given three consecutive life sentences for kidnapping, abuse, and rape. Thank God. I thought you were going to say three years and I was going to throw everything out of my window. Pull your hair out? <laughs> yeah. No, three consecutive life sentences. Like, goodbye. Um, when Carol told Tyson of her visions, he was so shocked at how accurate they were. He had no idea how she had known everything that had happened to him while he was being held captive. That's crazy. That's amazing and that's the dark side of having these visions is you Mm -hmm. basically have a nightmare that's really happening. I know and imagine having to like cleanse, cleanse, the cleansing you would need after that. Yeah, because it's real. Like on Thursday, I had five different nightmares and I woke up five times (sighs) from a different nightmare and then I back to sleep and had a totally different nightmare. What the heck? And I'm still pissed off about it, but I know that those were fake. I mean, I hope. Five different nightmares? 
Yes. I was very tired the next day. That is brutal. But if your nightmares are actually true, Mm -hmm. that would take a lot of inner cleansing to get over. Right. And, you know, you think about all the work that the victim Tyson had to do to get to heal. And it's almost like two people Mm -hmm. have to do that work to heal because it was as if she experienced those. Like she saw what was going on, what happened to him. That was... I just think that is so wild. I hope Tyson is doing well now. How I think he's doing well. I would imagine that he's doing well. Okay, good. Let's say he's doing well. Okay, good. The next is a man by the name of Phil Jordan. In 1982, while on a family picnic, five-year-old Tommy Kennedy ran off in the middle of a tantrum, as five-year-olds do. And pretty soon, his family couldn't find him. And they were freaked out because they were near a lake, and he was last seen wearing swim shorts and had a floaty in his hand. And they were very worried that he had gone into the lake, slipped off his floaty, and drowned. So fearing the worst, the family contacted local psychic Phil Jordan and Phil, they gave Phil one of Tommy's shirts and he immediately felt that he was still alive. Uh, and then he began to draw. He, he drew a small area with a big tree and a small house and boats overturned. And he drew a little boy at the bottom of the tree, kind of huddled up, hugging himself. So the next morning after this happened, the family and search and rescue went out and they tried to look for this spot and they found it and they came upon it and there was little Tommy sitting at the bottom of the tree just like Phil had drew, 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 I'm having a stroke. Okay. And he was a little bit scared, cold, hungry, of course, but he was alive and they found him because of Phil. And I think Phil got some kind of honorary badge or something for this. And maybe he even uh, went on to work closely with the police uh, because of this situation, which I think is pretty cool. That is cool. But because you didn't give me a timeline, I pictured the kid being gone for like 28 minutes (laughs) and then them just being like, all right, let's find a psychic. <laughs> and the boy's just behind them in the background walking back and forth. And they're just flipping through the yellow pages. <laughs> this article that I got this stuff from, they didn't really give a timeline for me either. <laughs> so I feel like it was kind of like up to me to decide what the timeline was. I'm going with 28 minutes missing. They called Phil. Phil came right out, drew the picture. They found him. <laughs> Um, all right, so go Phil. Phil Jordan, you are the Michael Jordan of psychics. Yes, he is. Uh, all right, so the last on our list is Nancy Weber. And in 181887, 18, I honestly, I do need to drink some water. There's something wrong with me. In 1987. You were only 100 years off. Cut yourself some slack. Tomato, tomato. <laughs> In 1987, Elizabeth Cornish was found by her boyfriend in their apartment, raped and murdered. 
1987, DNA wasn't a thing, wasn't advanced, you know, so the police really didn't have any leads. There was no witnesses and they didn't have any DNA system to go off of. So Elizabeth's sister went to psychic or medium, psychic medium, Nancy Weber. When Nancy Weber visited the crime scene, she immediately got the feeling that one, the timeline was off. So when immediately when the coroner maybe did a preemptive kind of this happen from, you know, Mm -hmm. 4 a.m. to 6 Mm a.m., she felt the timeline was off. Uh, and then secondly, she saw a man with a large Western belt buckle and a scar on his face, and he was an upstairs neighbor. And she felt that this was the man who had harmed Elizabeth. So it turns out that in during the autopsy, they did confirm Nancy's feeling that the timeline was off. And this was an issue previously because they gave that man a lie detector test and he Mm -hmm. passed it based on the timeline being off. Well, yeah, if the timeline is off, then somebody could have an alibi because it's not the accurate time of the crime. Yeah. And also... That's a huge thing to have off. I mean, I'm not a super fan of lie detector tests. I know they're used really just as a tool to see if somebody's lying. Mm -hmm. And if you can detect a lie, then maybe that, I think that gives detectives a little bit of an edge when it comes to interrogating someone. Maybe they might think. Lie detectors are stupid. They, in my opinion, I don't think we should even use them. I feel like your gut as a detective, as a good, as a good detective, like a Mm -hmm. good detective, your gut is a lie detector. Like women, Mm -hmm. our guts are lie detectors. We have a women's intuition and we just don't listen to it, myself included. Sometimes I don't listen to it. And then I am like, Mm -hmm. should have listened to myself, should have listened to my gut. Not to be too hot for holes, but Paul Holtz has said he likes to have women with him into in interrogations because their intuition is so spot on Good. it is and there's just, i could go on a whole rant about women's intuition i think it's like a superpower it really it's like a seventh sense a sixth sense <laughs> so they got him in an interrogation and they got a confession out of him and the he, neighbor Yes, it was the neighbor. He confessed. So they brought him back in after the psychic had visited and said, hey, I'm getting the feeling that this guy upstairs, I'm seeing a big Western belt buckle and a scar on a face and the timing is off. This didn't happen when you think it happened. Mm -hmm. And then they confirmed that with the autopsy. They brought that bastard back in and he made a full confession and he is probably dead, but he probably died in prison where he belonged. We can only hope. And honestly, if you think about it, someone that could rape and murder an innocent woman probably would pass a lie detector test because they're probably a psychopath or sociopath. Or have no sort of any, yeah. Feelings. No sort of any empathy or feelings. Or guilt. Make a lie detector pop. Yeah. So that was a very short and sweet list of some psychic medium superstars. If you like this topic, Tiffany and I actually did 
an in-depth episode a while ago where we covered two cases in depth of psychics, mm-hmm. uh, psychic mediums helping solve crimes. We'll put a, a the title of that mm-hmm. episode in our notes, and I'm. I honestly, I don't know how the sound quality was. I know we did it a long time ago, mm-hmm. but that was one of my favorite episodes that we ever did. And I really mm-hmm. want to revisit that topic at a later date because the stories were incredible and mm-hmm. these mediums are incredible as well. I just, I'm obsessed with it. I love it. I love, they have this extra extra human connection that I just think is so cool where they could just, I just love it. It's, they're, they're, they're really, truly cool and fantastic and they're I like guess, superheroes x-men really it's like women's tuitions on steroids yeah it's pretty badass yeah. yeah so okay well that was our one and done for uh part of our psychic little block of episodes so we hope you enjoyed it and on our next episode we will be going in depth on some mediums during the spiritualist movement mm-hmm. they might be kind of freaky they might be a lot of things <laughs> <laughs> so tune in for that and we hope you enjoyed this and don't forget to love yourself lock your doors and light some sage cheers to that cheers to that <laughs>